this is Carrie from Wrapped Her Head Around Silks. This is the Expecting Aerialist podcast, now with the Digitent Family podcast. How's it going, guys? Hope you're having a wonderful week. It is back to school time. It is uh, fall around the corner for hopefully some of you guys. Not for me. I am over here boiling in LA because it is not cool until about November. So right after Halloween, it starts cooling down, you guys. So I got a little bit left trying to suck up all that pool time. Um, Before we get started, okay, Arrow Rehab. I'm going to give you guys uh, an opportunity to look at that and grab it. We're just going to do a little bit of a flash sale there. Um, Just, uh, you know, keep your eyes peeled. I'll email you guys. Please please opt in uh, to to get my notifications uh, in the show notes. And uh, also roll it out uh, weekly, Sunday and Tuesday, 7 p.m. Pacific. Sorry about you guys who's on the East Coast um, doing live 60-minute virtual rolling classes that really focus on the aerialist problems. Check me out there. Uh, would love to meet you in person as well on the Zoom on the Zoom situation. All right, my friends. This is Kimberly Diosegi. She is uh, known to me. I knew her because of Instagram. She's at Vancouver Aerialist, and I don't know how long I followed her. And then when I reached out to her, she's like, well, I'm not doing tons of aerial anymore. I don't know if it's relevant. And then I said, well, I would love for you to come on and talk about that transition because as I retired from dance, it was so emotionally difficult. And I hope not to repeat that process when the time does come. So I wanted her to talk about her process in it, out of it, and how she feels. Um, so this is a this is a great interview. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Let's get started. Kimberly, I actually don't know a lot about you. I have, um, for I don't even know how long, followed you on Instagram, Vancouver Aerialist. Um, people might know you better from your handle. Uh, but I am just so intrigued. If you would just introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your family and your work and you as an aerialist, and I'll, I'll just jump in. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have no idea where to start. So, yeah, I... Um... I can't remember how long I've been doing the Instagram thing, but yeah, at some point decided that I was going to do circus um, as a full-time hobby. (laughs) Um, I tend to find things and then just like go headfirst into them. So I do have a normal job. I work in marketing um, and decided that Instagram was where I wanted to do fun stuff with circus um, and quit my, um, oh my gosh, my words are hard. So I changed my handle to Vancouver Aerialist, started posting all the circus stuff. And yeah, years later, I am married to a guy who runs a circus school. Our kid does circus. Uh, it's still it's still a big part of our family, even if it's not so much part of my life anymore. Yeah, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about because there's a couple women I know who I've invited on. And they said, well, I'm not really as obsessed as I was. And I was like, you know what? That's not a bad thing necessarily. And I think it's kind of um, an emotional thing that we all need to go through. I certainly went through it with my dance career, um, not yet with Ariel. But um, Kim, Kimberly, Kimmy, what do you prefer? 
<laughs> any of the above. I go by Kimmy because apparently I feel the need to still have the name I had as a child, but I will respond to anything. <laughs> Kimmy, when did you start doing Ariel and what brought you to it? Yeah, so um, I think back when I was in high school, I... I think that's when pole dancing started to become more of a recreational thing. And, you know, what 17-year-old girl doesn't want to go do pole right, dancing? Right. So uh, started with that just recreationally. And then um, some some of the girls at that class went and did a circus, just an intro thing. So they did a little bit of silks, a little bit of swinging trapeze, some hoop. Um, I think there was maybe some trampoline or some tumbling, can't remember um and so I joined them and then they all went back to pole and I was like nope this is this is the place for me so I I stayed and did um hoop I started with hoop lessons and static trapeze um and then eventually moved into silks and and on and on so yeah it's it's been a long time I guess that was probably close to 10 years ago that I started circus um Although, yeah, I would say probably since COVID and my son, I haven't done as much. Okay. And before that, were you dancing or anything before that? Oh, gosh, I really wish I had been, but no. Okay. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I was a a horseback rider growing up, mostly. I was never, like, super, super good, but I did the, the competitions and trotting around and jumping and all that kind of stuff. And I guess the only thing that sort of very tangentially carries over is I did hunter jumpers which is where you jump over things and you're judged on prettiness so you're not timed you don't have to go really fast you just have to look nice and so I relate that a little bit to circus where you know you're not necessarily you don't have to be the strongest you don't have to be the fastest climber but you do have to look nice okay so let me wrap my head around your life here okay so (laughs) you obviously have a job job did it ever was it ever to the point where you're like, I'm going to do this professionally? Ariel? No, I, yeah, I've, I've always had a nine to five job. I was raised by, um, I don't want to call her a tiger mom. She's very supportive of everything I do. Maybe more of a tiger dad. Okay. Are you part um, Chinese by any chance? Yeah. My mom's, my mom's Chinese. Malaysian. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah so they were very like you're gonna do the nine to five I've got an engineering degree um it was never never really considered that I would do this as a career and I started quite late like I didn't start Ariel till I was 33 or 23 sorry um and so yeah just not not really in the cards but like I said I, I dive into my hobbies full force so I was still even though it was never a career you know, six, seven days a week training after work, weekends, wow. all the time that I could. We would travel. I would go to aerial gyms around wherever I could visit. Um, so just really, really into it. Um, and I've done some performing here and there, but it was never going to be the full time. I'm going to quit my job and go touring. You know, it's so interesting because I only started aerial when I was 30. Yeah. Really? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think you're like still 30. So I did get carded at Trader Joe's yesterday and the guy, (laughs) and the guy asked me and I was like, thank you. That is really kind. And then we had the whole conversation. Um, (laughs) Yeah. You know, Asian, Asian, no crack. So it's totally the Asian thing. (laughs) So because I look at people like you and what, I am in shock and awe and humbled by, and this is my students too, 
my upper level students, they have like regular jobs. They're nurses, they're engineers, uh, they're marketing people. They work for, Di I have a lot of people who work at Disney because our studio is oh, located cool. about a half a block from the Disney campus, the creative campus here mm -hmm. in, um, in the Burbank area in California. And, um, they are so good. They're so good. They are, <clears throat> they are professional level, but it's just something fun that they do. And they have a regular job that requires 40 hours a week and they're that good. And I'm shocked by it because I feel like in my mind, I'm like, if you're that good, you should definitely do it. But, but then at the same time, it's like, um, I struggle with being a self-employed person all the time, all the time. It is not easy. Yeah. I think like there's a lot of hustling that self-employed people need to do that. I'm just, I don't want to say I'm lazy. I don't think that's true, but like, didn't really want to get into that side of hustle. And despite the like, you know, climbing up to the ceiling and hurling myself downwards, they have a fairly low risk tolerance. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't want to worry about where my next paycheck is coming from or, you know, all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I've been told that I must have a high risk tolerance because of what I do. And then also because I'm a self-employed person, but I don't view it that yeah. way because I <laughs> am like, I mean, I must. I must, there must be a part of me, but I'm still very cognizant of that hustle that you talk about. So, um, you are, how old are you now? I am 33 and you would think that question is not difficult, <laughs> but yeah, 33 now, almost It's 34. difficult for you to answer? Yeah, just because I have to do the math every yes, time. Yes, yes, yes. Like, I, you know. You're 30, I'm 20, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> no, I, I had to like really do math to figure out how old I was turning this year on in May because I just had my birthday. Couldn't figure it out. Um, okay, so did you, so you got married. Did you plan to have, start a family? Yes. Um, so yeah, we always knew we wanted kids. That was kind of in the cards. Um, we got married when I was 28. My husband is nine years older than me, almost 10 years older than me. So he was probably on a slightly shorter timeline than I was. And I was like, nope, I'm doing the circus thing. I don't want to have a kid right now. I'm, I'm good. Um, but eventually we decided that we were going to go off the pill. I had in my head that it was going to take, you know, probably six months to a year. It wasn't going to happen right away. Um, COVID had happened. So I went off the pill and then like, I think he like breathed on me. And I was pregnant. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> okay. Here we go. <laughs> so yeah, so COVID really hit us March 2020. Um, April 2020, I was pregnant. And that was a whole thing. But I guess I didn't know any different, right? Like I, this is my first pregnancy, COVID's happening. And it was just all new. So first pandemic, first pregnancy, everything, everything's a first. <laughs> yes. And were exactly. you in the position where you couldn't have your partner with you in the hospital because of where we were as a country? Um, had I been more for like more pregnant further along than I was, that would have been the case. But by the time we gave birth, it was January or I gave birth, I guess I'm not going to give him credit uh -huh. for that one. Um, January, 2021, when I had my son, um, we were allowed. So my husband was allowed. I was allowed obviously. And then nobody else, which honestly, not the worst thing. Like I, you know, I love my mom. I love my family, but didn't need them in the room. Okay. And you now have a son. He's. He's four? Uh, no, he's almost two Wait, and a half. Why, am I, so, why is my math yeah. terrible? Oh, got it. Because <laughs> this is why we don't know our ages. We're like, 
you know, gears, whatever. Two and a half. My bean was born right like six months before the pandemic and she's three and a half. Okay. Now it all, it, it okay. makes sense. That makes sense. It makes sense. Um, and then, yeah, so the pandemic really threw a wrench in all of our training, but your yes. husband owns a, owns a school. Yeah, so he has, um, it was West Coast Flying Trapeze at the time, now it's West Coast Circus, um, and it all in-person classes, all the things, and then, you know, we were shut down, I think it was like tomorrow, no more classes, everything's online or at home, gyms are closed, businesses are closed, um, so we did do some of the online stuff, like we were teaching online handstands and flexibility, um, but really everything stopped. And so I actually don't have a super great idea if I kind of fell off the aerial and the circus stuff because of the pandemic or because I was pregnant or because I had a kid, like all of those things really happened at once. Um, and so, yeah, when we first shut down, like all, everybody was ordering their backyard rigs. I ordered mine in April. It arrived in May. By the time it got there between me ordering it and it coming, I was like, oh, now I'm pregnant. Don't know what I'm going to do with this hunk of metal. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so we did what we could online. And really, by the time things reopened, I was quite pregnant. So not climbing, not doing a whole lot. Of right. And um, so on your Instagram profile, it says geriatric aerialist. <laughs> no, something like that. What does it say? Um, now I feel like it, I feel uh, retired aerialist. <laughs> retired aerialist. Geriatric contortionist. <laughs> so, in a word, you're not as obsessed as you used to be. No, not anymore. Um, yeah, when like when my husband and I got together, um, I worked nine to five, and then every evening I'd be out at the circus school teaching, helping, training, all the things. And we were like, "Oh, this is so great because we can both do the things in the evenings." And then you have a kid and you're like, oh, wait, like someone needs to be home with the kid. Like he could, he goes to bed now at 6.30, 7 p.m. Um, my husband owns the school and works, so he's got to be there. And, you know, I can't leave my kid at home alone. So by necessity, like it's great that we have opposite, opposite schedules for childcare, but I can't be out there in evenings and weekends. And you have your nine to five. So obviously 40 exactly. hours a week, you are also spoken for. Um, yeah. So uh, do you have feelings about this or no? <laughs> um, I mean, I do like it's, I miss it. I miss the community. I miss like, this sounds really shallow, but you know, Instagram life. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I miss like when you tell people you do circus, they're like, oh my God, that is so cool. Tell me all about it. And now they're like, okay, you're a mom and you have a job. Like, so does everybody else we know. <laughs> That's not cool. <laughs> So there's definitely a little bit of like, oh, I wish I was still doing really cool, special things. Um, but in terms of the actual, like, do I miss climbing the silks and the feeling of doing a drop? Uh, not really. And you used to feel that way. Yeah. I mean, I think definitely when I started, I did. And like, I loved flying trapeze and, and missed that, especially because now I'm pregnant again. Like, Oh, you are pregnant again. That. Yes. Yes. Number two is on the oh, way. Uh, how far <laughs> along are you right now? Uh, six months. Six months. I really sometimes have no idea of what I'm getting into with these, <laughs> with these podcasts. And I love it because I'm like, oh, sometimes people like there are so many people who fit this podcast like a glove. Like you check all the boxes expecting <laughs> except for aerialist. I'm not an aerialist well, anymore. But. I don't know when they say when they say um, 
the old adage is, uh, once a dancer, always a dancer. Mm. And that doesn't necessarily apply to Ariel because once you stop training, you can't necessarily do it the same. Like your body remembers things, but like dancing on the floor is like riding a bike. It's like, you'll always have a certain ability to do it because it doesn't have this baseline of strength that you have to have. Right. Yeah. And even the brain stuff, like I tried to do, I don't know, it was like, we call it a triple falling angel or something. I'm sure it's got 1800 different names. And I was like, I don't remember the rap anymore. <laughs> like These things just go away in Ariel. So I can still, you know, I can probably still move, but the flexibility has gone. The, the strength is definitely gone and the brain stuff is going quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't necessarily, you're not necessarily um, devastated by this either. No, I mean, I found other stuff to do. So like, I, I don't sit still super well. <laughs> um, so there's all the kids activities in the evenings. And then in the mornings, I still go to the gym and work out. It's just, it's not circus anymore. Um, but definitely stayed active. And then, up, well, now I'm pregnant again. So <laughs> decreasing in activity, but doing all the well, things. Well, and I think still, it's, just... I think it's a, an inspirational thing, what you're talking about for people in our position, because uh, I talked to another woman, her name is Laura Evans, and basically through her pregnancy and through life, she got disconnected from her practice and it was devastating for her. And I think, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think people out there, there's a fear that it will be devastating in a way. And, and I think that's not helpful either. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's it, that's so interesting. So like when I was pregnant with Wyatt, my first, I I guess have a tendency to imagine the worst of everything. So I was like, my life is going to be ruined. My abs oh, are you are Chinese. My child. goodness. <laughs> <laughs> is that what that is? I don't know. Like, that's, I don't know that's, that's common <laughs> almost all of my Chinese friends. It's just like doom and gloom. Uh, <laughs> worst case scenario, like looking for all of the things that could go wrong. Yeah. Okay, well, that's good to know, because my husband's always like, you know, it might not turn out that bad. I'm like, but this way I'm prepared. And when I'm like, when it's not this bad, I'll be pleasantly surprised. Except you've traumatized um, yourself beforehand already. Right, true. right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, I totally forgot where I was going with oh, this. Oh, uh, during your first pregnancy with Wyatt, you, we were talking. Oh, because some people are yes, devastated yes. and some people aren't. Is that yeah. where we're going? Okay. So- yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Baby brain. It's it's a thing. Um. So yeah, so like I was preparing myself to never do anything ever again. I was like, I'm going to go to physio. I'm going to go to therapy. I'm going to do all the things that I can to prepare. And then I had him and it was fine. Like I, you know, you get the hormones of having a newborn and you're doing the thing and like, he's adorable. I felt great. Like it just, it didn't matter so much that I wasn't doing circus. And like, there's still, you know, I I had friends in circus and I still see them, but it's, it's okay. Like, it's really hard and it's okay. I think that was like everything about being pregnant and having a baby and giving birth, all of it. It's really, really hard. It's also totally okay. Yeah. And I find myself becoming less obsessed with it than I had been. Uh, And I've gone through this. I would have, by the end of (laughs) my life, gone through this twice because I had a really long dance arc. Like, I started when I was Mm. four. And I kind of just stopped like a year ago. 
Oh, wow. And, oh, man. Like, and it is different because I think if you're somebody like me who starts out so young and does pick it as a profession, it is a part of your identity that you cannot separate yourself from. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's kind of the seed of this, this, this question of, you know, even adults who come into it, you came into it as a teenager into your adulthood. I know a lot of women at my studio who are coming into it in their 30s, 40s, 50s. And even then kind of attach a part of their identity to circus or flying or dancing in the air. And it becomes very, very hard to let go of when sometimes either they get an injury or life takes them away or their careers take them away from it. Um, and it's, and it's actually a really hard thing for people. So I think that it's important, which is why you were like, well, I'm not really doing this anymore. You still want to have me on the podcast? I was like, yes, because I think there needs to be some examples of, of women, really being obsessed with it, really being good at it, and then kind of deciding that other things are more important. Um, Being a mom is more important, being your career more important, whatever it is. Yeah, and I think like, I mean, for some people it is really hard, for me it was maybe less hard, Um, but I really like what you said about if you're once a dancer, always a dancer. Like, yeah, circus is a huge part of my life, um, maybe because especially my husband still owns a circus school, like it will stay part of my life for much longer than it might have otherwise. But there's a statistic for like normal people jobs that you change careers, like, or people now my age and younger will change careers like eight times in their lifetime. Wow, really? Something like that. Yeah. And it's kind of like, maybe that's the same with hobbies. So even if circus is your hobby and it's part of your identity and I did it a lot for eight years, and then I moved on and, you know, what's, what's next is boxing my thing for the next eight years. And then, like, will I have eight of those really strong identities throughout my lifetime? Maybe that's cool. Um, I, yeah, I think there's, there's obviously like, you know, if you start something at age four and you're still a dancer, keep going that long, like you will get probably much, much further than somebody who does something for a few years and moves on. But I don't think it's necessarily one is better than the other. Like you have to do something your whole life or it's worthless. Like you can have a really great time in eight years, meet a bunch of great people, do awesome things, and then move on to the next chapter. Yeah, I agree with that. And and I think my case is very rare because, I mean, not amongst the people I know because I live in LA and I'm with a <laughs> bunch of <laughs> actors and dancers who won't let it go, you know? So... I'm actually going, um, one of my friends who's now my friend, but she was somebody I really looked up to. She had moved here to LA just a couple years, like maybe two years before me. And she was just like, like, I still watch her music videos, like when she's dancing behind an artist and I'm like, Oh my God, that inspired me. Right. Because I'm a commercial dancer yeah, or I'm a former commercial dancer. We have so much pride in doing it for so long, <laughs> but then, yeah. but then on the other hand, like there are so many other problems that come with that. So to be, to, to be what I am, which is like a creator and artist my whole life, it, it is a stressful path. It's a stressful yeah. path to take. I believe truly that doing Ariel was me just trying to cling on to dancing. Oh, interesting. Because it was just another form of it. Yeah, that that's fair. That makes sense. Yeah. 
and I'm successfully clinging, <laughs> still clinging <laughs> on to it, um, and talking about it on a podcast every single week, um, because it is such a big part of me. But um, so when I did decide to stop dancing, leading up to that moment was very, very hard for me. But then when I actually did it, I'm totally fine. Yeah. You know, so um, I think it's kind of an evolution of like becoming a mom and not wanting to miss the things that you'd have to miss if you were dedicating however many hours of your week to training. Yeah, I think that it really is it. It's like you expect the worst and then it comes and you're like, no, it's it's okay. It's like, it's not like you cut out all those hours of your life and you just sit around doing nothing. <laughs> like other things fill that time and and hopefully they're good things. And if you really miss it, I think that you'll find a way to fit it back into your schedule or back into your life. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons I have been able to move away is because, you know, I... I don't miss circus all that much. And it still feels like I feel guilty saying that. Mm. Like there's part of me that's like, oh, I shouldn't admit that because it was such a big part of my life. And it's, you know, what I'm known for online. And I'm like, but yeah, like if if it really mattered to me, I would figure out ways to find childcare in the evenings and go to class or bring my son with me and go do aerial on the weekends. And honestly, I don't. Like <laughs> I I'm fine staying home in the evenings and doing my own thing. I find babysitting on the weekends and go out and do other workout classes. Like it's part of me does want to blame it on him. And part of me is like, no, this is a choice that I've made and I'm okay with. Do you ever get the sentiment because I'm guilty of doing this to some of my girlfriends? Like they're so good, right? Mm. And they choose not to do it. Do you ever get that sentiment from other aerialists? Um... I don't know if I get that sentiment I get, or, and maybe (laughs) my husband would say that I put this on myself and no one else is thinking it. So judge for yourself what's true. But when I came back after my, my son and I started training again, I felt like I was not, and I wasn't like, I wasn't as strong. I wasn't as flexible because I had just made a baby and like pumped him out. Um, And it was really hard for me to go back into that community. And I felt like I had been so strong and I had been like decently good and to not be anymore. And, you know, I could still climb the silks. I could still do the drops, like, but it just, it didn't feel as effortless as it used to. And so I felt like everybody was looking at me being like, oh, she used to be so good. What a waste. And like, oh, no. I- oh God, you are Chinese. <laughs> you might as well yeah, be like full that, Chinese. It probably isn't true, but that's yeah. how I felt. So, <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. So, so that was definitely a harder thing. Like, I don't think anybody is like, oh, what a waste. You should still be doing it. But I was like, oh, they're judging me for not being as good. Um, no, they're probably like, wow, she's a badass still going back to it after she popped a baby out. But, <laughs> but my, my friend Beck, who is one of the most effortless aerialists I've ever seen. She also like grew up as a competitive gymnast. So there's a reason for that. Yes. <laughs> but so going to aerial was only like changing an apparatus for her. It wasn't like a whole new thing. And over the years, she became very, very close friends with a group of aerialists who have my, my, my friend group. <clears throat> and we've all be, we're all professional and we have all made a complete profession out of it one way or another. And then she's sitting around like not wanting to do it anymore. And it was, I asked her recently, I was like, did it feel so disconnected from us? She's like, kind of. 
Yeah. And like not wanting to do it, she kind of felt guilty. But yeah. she truly didn't want to do it anymore. She wants to do other things with her life, which is great too. There are so many things <laughs> yeah. in this world to do. Oh, such an interesting thing. And now that you are pregnant, how's your pregnancy going? The second one. Oh my God. I like, so I think I was listening to one of your other podcasts where you were like, I did not enjoy being pregnant. And I was like, oh, my first, like my first was easy. Everything was great. Like didn't mind being pregnant. Partly it was COVID. I didn't have to do anything. We were all working from home. I didn't go to the gym. Like everything was fine. This pregnancy. I'm like, oh my God, I get it. I never want to be pregnant again. <laughs> <laughs> and were you guys thinking oh let's have six kids or is like is oh two no. good? <laughs> well so two was good two was always the plan um we yeah we have like a certain amount of space in our townhouse Vancouver is very expensive for real estate so I don't think we could afford more than two but found out um just a couple weeks ago that number two is a girl so we've got one of each and I'm like thank god we're done oh <laughs> Yeah, I'm so happy. I'm not even happy. I'm relieved. Like this, it sounds terrible, but I was like, oh, if we have another boy, then like, I know there's going to be that 10% of me that's like, if we just had one more. Right. And you could, so. you could end up like my friend Gail, who has now three boys in the house, plus her husband. Exactly. Yeah. And then, yeah, no, like we, we can't keep doing that indefinitely. So it was always going to be two, but, but number two is a girl. So now I'm like, okay, good. We got it. We're doing, we're so gonna, what specifically it. is it about this pregnancy that you're like, uh, um, I think like, I think the girl hormones are different. Maybe I'm not sure. I mean, I, everybody's pregnancy is different. Every pregnancy itself, even within the same person is different. Um, but the nausea that I had with this one in the mm. first trimester, like, took me out um and it was funny I was at the gym just this past week and this girl came up to me because I'm now visibly pregnant and she was like oh it's so good to see you here still going because I'm in my first trimester and like I just didn't know what to expect and it's good to see that there's light at the end of the tunnel because I am an exhausted hormonal bitch and I was like well you know the nausea went away but I am still an exhausted hormonal bitch <laughs> that doesn't go away I'm well, sorry you're laughing through it <laughs> yes Yes, I am. And uh, yeah, I, this is part of the, like, expect the worst. It's really not all that bad. I mean, honestly, like if me and my partner had another kid, he would have to have the kid. <laughs> like, Wouldn't that be nice? Oh let's, my God. Let's figure that I out. Mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm not married to a woman. So obviously this is not, this is only my mind and my imagination and my dreams. Yeah. But I totally wouldn't mind. I don't. No, that sounds great. I wouldn't want to be pregnant. I just don't want to be pregnant again. And yeah. having said that, I'm so happy with my bean. Yeah. That it's worth it. Totally but. fine. I'm also, I would also be playing a DNA lottery at this point of my age that I don't mm. want to play that DNA lottery because the, your, your, uh, your chances just don't get better over time. But that's fair. Yeah. 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 So um, six months. So do you guys have a birth plan that you're excited about or is it just get this baby out of me? <laughs> um, I mean, definitely get this baby out of me safely and health healthy for both of us is the ideal. Um, yeah, I, the more we talk, the more I'm like, I am a strange person, but I had an issue with like the whole birth plan because I'm like, you can't plan that. You don't know how it's going to go. Um, and yet like with my first, so we kind of had, we had preferences. I decided that was the word that I was going to use. 
Um, and even then, so I had to be induced um, with my first my water broke or yeah, my water broke. I had groupie straps. So they were like, you can't, we can't wait for you to go into labor. Your baby is supposed to be out in 24 hours. Um, actually had a fairly traumatizing experience, went to the hospital and the nurse was giving me whatever drugs they give you to induce you and they weren't working. And so I think it was 12 hours. No. Yeah. 12, 16 hours later, I still hadn't gone into labor. And she was like, well, I don't know what we're going to do with you. And I was like, ah, you're a nurse. What do you mean? You don't know what you're going to do with me. Like, this is terrifying. Um, and so luckily the next nurse to come on shift was like, uh, yeah, we know what we're going to do with you. We're going to give you these other drugs. And then those ones worked. So that was good. Um, but yeah, so ended up going into labor, um, and being an aerialist, and I guess much more close to being an aerialist at that time, I was like, I have great pain tolerance, I'm athletic, this is going to be probably okay. Um, and then what I didn't, I say I didn't know, it turns out I did know, and I just hadn't processed it, was that if you're induced, you don't get all the hormones that help you deal with pain. So I was trying to push through and it was not happening. So I ended up with an epidural. Then um, the baby went into distress. I had to be in one position on my side, couldn't move the whole time. Um, so the epidural, I had, yeah, I was on my left side. The epidural only worked on the left half of my body and I could feel everything on the right. Oh, no. Um, and so I'd kind of gone in like, yes, I had bad expectations for it, but also I was like, I'm going to try all these different positions and I'm going to be athletic and I'm going to do all the things. And then it was like, none of that happened. Right. So I guess coming into this baby, I'm like, okay, like no plan. We're just get the baby out, um, hopefully safely. And we'll see what happens. You know, my mom had my sister and I in the seventies, right? So I was born in 77. My sister was born in 76. And I asked her like kind of recently in the last couple of years, like what happened with our births? And she's like, yeah, your sister was breech. So back in the seventies, they just pull them out by their feet. Really? Oh my goodness. <laughs> they just pulled her out by the feet. And I guess the arms are just like, I don't like I'm doing this on zoom, like just by the ears, like coming out oh, like a man. fish, like, um, and then the set, the second birth that she had was May. And my dad was a resident at that same hospital and they lived across the street. And my dad is also the man that can't, can't feed himself. Oh no. So before my mom went in to give late to, oh, this is what happened. My mom was cooking breakfast for my dad, was already in labor. She didn't realize it. And my sister was, what, 18 months old. And then my dad was like, we need to go to the tax, tax guy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so they, and my mom's like, I don't know if I feel good. And he's like, you're fine. <laughs> Oh, no. They got in the car, went to the tax guy, and then then she really started feeling her contractions, and they had to go straight to the hospital. But oh, but because my sister was 18 months, my, my dad just went back to the apartment with right. my sister, and then my mom went to the hospital herself and gave birth to me. <laughs> Alone. Oh, my gosh. I, like, I, I'm so impressed by anybody I think, who does I anything. Think so. <laughs> I think so. But this is like, this is like my mom. She's... She's pregnant by herself, no family. Like my, they migrated to the United States 
for my dad to go to his residency and for my mom to have these kids on American soil. And then they're right. huge families. They each are one of nine back in the Philippines because that's where we're from, even though we're Chinese. Okay. Alone, my dad working 80 hours a week. You guys, oh, you guys, it was a hot, it was a hot mess. It was a hot mess. <laughs> okay. But we're fine. Everything's fine. I hear stories like that and I'm like, okay, like, stop complaining. You're going to be just fine. (laughs) I mean, kind of, but then on the other hand, like I had the same type of experience you did. Like I would consider Bean's birth a traumatic event for me because things weren't going right. The epidural wasn't working. Neither was the Pitocin. Like we ended up in C-section because it just wasn't moving along. And I had a traumatic 30 hours. And then I talked to somebody like Laurel Sue, who's been on the podcast and she she had a successful hypnobirthing experience. Oh, wow. And she, it is like one of the greatest days of her life. My friend Gail, same thing. Like wow. at home, birthed it, no drugs, in the comfort of her home. I was like, we had totally, we, we, we probably had babies on different planets. That's how different <laughs> it was. Yeah. I mean, more power to them. Yeah. I, oh yeah. I mean, even this birth, like the, we have a midwife and even that, um, my in-laws think I'm a total hippie, which is hilarious. Um, and my dad does too. My mom is a nurse. So she's like, no, go, go the midwife route. But they were saying like, oh, you know, you like, I needed a vacuum delivery for my first. And then I had a postpartum bleed and they were like, no home birth. Like, sorry, it's not an option for you. I was Wait, like, did you have fine. a vacuum assist on your first? Yeah. Yeah. So he had gone into distress then it was like, I had to stay on my left side, then, um, the epidural and stuff not working. And then I was pushing and like basically the vacuum assist just to hold him still. So they weren't like sucking him all the way out. I don't know if this is normal. A vacuum to me is like, you just suck and it comes out. Um, but yeah, so he had to have the vacuum assist because he was going into distress and they were like we could do a c-section but he's far enough out that we would actually have to push him back in yeah. to do a c-section yeah. and so I was like I don't want that just let me keep going so yeah I mean it felt like I pushed for 10 minutes I think it was actually closer to two hours which is much longer than they would normally let it go um but yeah he's he was out he was I think a little shell-shocked he did not latch right away and all the things you hear like we did skin to skin but he was a little bit like whoa, whoa this what experience just happened? Of yeah. being born. Yeah. Um, um, did you have yeah. any pelvic floor issues from the vacuum assist? That's what I hear. Oh, um, so I this is interesting to me because I've just gone to the pelvic floor physio last Friday and learned that all the things I thought were wrong. Um, <laughs> I had a pelvic floor physio during my pregnancy and after my first pregnancy, and so she was and she's an older lady. Um, recommended to me by somebody else I knew who hadn't gone for circus or pregnancy related things. And so, you know, they do the intake. They're like, what are you doing? And all these, as I was telling you about circus and the things I normally do, she was like, well, I should hope you're not doing aerial. Oh, goodness. Oh, okay. Like, uh, whatever. So kept going to see her. Um, and anyway, so we worked on my pelvic floor, like being able to relax. Cause that's a huge thing with athletes and aerialists and all sorts of things is we're, we're real strong. Can't really relax. Um, and that went fine. And so then this pregnancy, I thought I was having a lot of, um, pelvic floor tightness and issues. Cause now I'm doing a lot more running. Um, and so I went to see a different lady. Cause I was like, I don't want somebody who's going to be like, I should hope you're not doing anything. anything yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, yeah, that's, that's very old school. We don't really tell people that anymore. So like, perfect. I'm in the right place now. 
Um, but she was saying that I don't actually have any issues with tightness. I have issues with scarring from um, the tearing that I had. Uh, so I don't know if that's directly vacuum related, but there was some tearing and scarring that I knew about the tearing. Um, so you would think I would know about the scarring, but I've heard all about C-section scar massage, had never heard about um, like internal tearing, scarring, massage. And apparently that's the thing that I need to do now. So there you go. So you're going to, you're going to go in and they're going to do the internal massage to try to work those scar, that, that scar tissue out. That doesn't sound very fun. It's painful. (laughs) Um, Yeah, not, not super fun, but I think that at least it shouldn't make, well, define harder so it won't make the labor any harder in terms of the amount of time it will take or like if I had a really really tight pelvic floor that would make labor harder take longer be difficult um, and I think more likely to need a c-section whereas if it's just scarring it's going to hurt more but it's not going to actually like block the baby from coming out is my understanding as not a medical professional well they might be able to release a good amount of it in the next three months I hope so (laughs) that's what I'm hoping for yeah yeah and and you have what uh Dr. Janae Davis the doctor I bring on here all the time calls a proven pelvis yeah there you go (laughs) something's come out of there before so (laughs) could do it again you can do it again um yeah thank you for for coming on this is uh I I know it's a Everybody always says, like, what are we going to talk about for that long? I'm like, don't worry. <laughs> don't you yeah. worry. It'll all work out. We'll yeah. come up with something. Yeah. No, that was good. Well, um, I'll, you know, do a check-in with you after the second one is born, and we'll check back in. But uh, thank you for sharing. Yeah, that was super fun. Thank you for having me on and listening to all sorts of random things. Kimberly, I love talking to you. Uh, it gives me a breath of a breath of relief to to know that uh, when I am ready to hang up uh, my arrow practice, I might feel the same as you and very fulfilled. Um, yeah, it's a different perspective, but I think it's I think it's interesting as we do get older because uh, my dance retirement was very very emotionally difficult for me. And I hope to not repeat, do a repeat of that. All right, my friends, uh, check the show notes for uh, Aerial Rehab, opportunity coming up for you guys soon, um, rolled out classes weekly, and um, got a bunch of free stuff on my website. Just check it out there. Thank you so much for being here. Can you have some orange juice? Can you say hi to the listeners? Why not? Can Can I finish? Really quick, okay? What are the things I need to say? I need to say, please honor us with a five star rating or review. Check out Greener Grass. What else? Check out Greener Grass with me and Kelly. So much fun. I, I need to say we're with Digitum Podcast Health, Health and Wellness Group. Check that out. And what else? That's it? I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think that's it, you guys. I'll see you guys next time. Over and out. This is Carrie from Wrap Your Head Around the Cells. This is the Expecting Aerials Podcast. All right, say bye.